It's, uh, it's cliche nowadays to, to say anything like, you know, the last few years have been really hard. How many of you guys groan when you hear things like that right now? Like, it, I have the same feeling when I hear that phrase as, as back in the beginning of those last three years when all of our companies who we buy shoes or water, water bottles from would send us emails that would start in these unprecedented times. You know, and you're like, oh, make it stop, make it stop. I don't, I never ever wanna watch a movie about a pandemic ever again. I don't ever even wanna talk about it ever. You know, all these things that have come up. So uh, uh, I, I totally get it, but we are gonna talk a little bit um, about um, some of that this week and, and, and next week because moving forward, we want to be able to do well together as a congregation. Now, one of the things I think that always makes hard times worse and made the last three years worse is the mystifying insistence that we always say this is the worst thing ever. Do you know what I mean? Like we have this this penchant for hyperbole that is so strange to me. I don't understand why we have to do it. And it's not just in hard times. We do it in so many different areas. We do it, for example, you guys know I'm a big basketball fan. We do it in sports. Is Joey in here? Is he right here? Oh, right in front row. Okay. Joey is a San Antonio Spurs fan. And so this was a very big week for him because the NBA draft happened this week and the Spurs got the number one pick. Man, I've actually mentioned this guy before, named Victor Wembenyama. You might not know that name. He's going to be called Wemby. You will hear of him in the same way you hear of all the big guys. You know why? Because the guy is seven feet, five inches tall and has an eight-foot wingspan. Eight feet. Eight feet. I'm like, how could you make any shot if he's even in the building? Like, he can just reach up and grab it. That's a very big deal for this organization and for the NBA. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, this is, the, this is an incredible draft prospect, right? But it's not enough to say that. What we have to say is this is the best draft prospect in the history of basketball. Like, okay, well, hold on, slow down a little bit. There was Lou Alcindor, there was, there was uh, uh, LeBron James, like there's, you know, careful. But not, even that's not enough. You have to go a step further and say, this is the best draft prospect in the history of professional sports. And it's like, okay, look, maybe. I mean, he's gonna be an unbelievable player, no question about it. I'm not, you here, I'm, I'm not saying he's not. Are you okay? You and I okay? Okay, we're all right. Um, but it's just this penchant for hyperbole. Like, we have to push something as far as it can go. And that crosses over into times that are really difficult. This is, man, it's never been this bad. Or every time there's an election. You guys, I've heard this since I can even remember. This is the most important election of our lifetime. Every single election, really? Like, I mean, maybe it just progressively gets more and more. I I, but I don't, that's not the way it's said. It's like, no, this one, this one takes the cake. And, and I don't understand why there's that need, you know? It's just sort of like every time there's a, a war in the world, and it, oh, man, it, it gets some air on CNN. Oh, it's Armageddon. Every time there's a politician that gains prominence, oh, probably the Antichrist, unless he's on my side, then he's not the Antichrist. Then he's God's chosen. You know what I mean? Like I, but there is something about the right now that pushes us forward into wanting to make this the biggest thing that's ever happened. And I really believe part of our problem, and this is, I think, part of our problem as evangelicals, if I'm honest, we have a very poor sense of church history. When you're saying something like, the, here's, here's the, the specific thing I'm talking about. It's never been this divided. 
maybe if you just like, just woke up right now, this church that we're part of, not Christ Center, the church is 2,000 years old. 2,000 years old. And we've been through a lot. And I'm not saying that these past three years have been cake. Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. It's been difficult, right? But to say that we've never been this divided, and so now we've got to put all these stakes in the ground, like, this is nonsense. I feel like that kind of stuff comes from people who have no sense of church history whatsoever. Now, I'm not talking about something obscure. I'm talking about the very beginning of the church. Now, think about this for just a second. Think about this. We, uh, uh, we see even in the Gospels some unbelievable kind of friction that's happening. For example, when Jesus walked the, walked the earth, in Jerusalem, we had all kinds of different factions, okay? We had the Pharisees. That's the most common faction, okay? We know a bit about the Pharisees. They wanted to preserve the Jewish heritage. They were preachers to the layman. They were sort of out in rural areas, they worked in the synagogues out there, not so much in Jerusalem. They believed in the scriptures and in the oral tradition, which was, there was a lot of oral tradition that they added on, right? And they rejected Greek culture. So you had this faction, the Pharisees and their people, okay? But there were lots more factions. For example, there was the Sadducees. That's another one we see in the Gospels. They were mostly wealthy, wealthy, wealthy aristocrats that worked in the temple in Jerusalem. They focused on the priestly class. They believed in the scriptures, like in the Torah, but they rejected oral tradition. They didn't believe in things like angels or resurrection or miracles. Uh, and they believed very much in working with the culture, within Greek culture and compromising. So you can see why they did not like the Pharisees, right? But there's more than that. There's Herodians, okay? These are supporters of Rome, and Romans, Rome's puppet rulers. They, they embraced Greek culture big time. They're like, yeah, we want this in our lives. And, and, uh, and there were lots of people that were rather despised to Herodians. There were soldiers and tax collectors and these people that worked along with the Romans and, and people looked at them as turncoats, right? Now, there was another one called the Zealots. The Zealots were the opposite of the Herodians. They were ultra-patriotic in their Jewish identity. They hated Rome, not just didn't like them, hated them, hated. They hated Greek culture, and they despised people who compromised with it. Now, these Zealots hated so much that they were violent, quite violent, actually. Today, they would be considered a terrorist group. Jesus stepped in to that. In fact, in his 12, he had a Herodian, Matthew the tax collector, and a zealot. You ever think about that? You ever think about the amount of fights Jesus probably had to break up? I'm serious. For those of you guys who have watched The Chosen, there was a wonderful episode, season two of The Chosen, where they're sitting around a campfire. The disciples sit around the campfire, and they are confronting, Peter especially, confronting Matthew. 
and how the, the, the tension that must have been there with the whole group towards a Herodian. I mean, incredible amount. It was very well done. I mean, these are real issues, you guys. Right there, having to work uh, uh, together in following Jesus. It would have been a really big deal. But imagine this. Imagine Jesus, you know, they're working with Jesus, and then he dies, and then he's resurrected, and then he gives them the Great Commission. You know what happens? These men become the leaders of the church. These men from impossibly different factions. Are you getting the sense here that these are just a little tiny bit deeper than our Republican-Democrat divides that we have today? Like, so much deeper and yet, here they were. They were leaders in the church. Now, they had very different theological views, as we looked at, right? And certainly, they would have had to drop some of those things. For example, if a Sadducee were to come to Jesus, he probably is going to have to drop this whole, I don't believe in the resurrection thing, right? Like, just naturally. That's like a thing I can't really hold on to anymore, right? Like, there's going to have to be some, some adjustments, but that's what had to happen. Think about Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. He normally would have been against all. In fact, his whole, his whole sect was radically against Jesus, and they believed all kinds of stuff that he didn't think. But he sees him, and he obviously goes, man, I got to do some adjusting. But after these people come to Jesus, do you think they no longer have the same concerns that they had before about where they're living and about civil conditions? Do you think they no longer had opinions about the role of Roman or Greek culture in their day? Do you think they no longer had opinions about Rome and whether or not you should follow Rome or work with Rome? Those things don't just melt away. And I wonder what kind of conversations that Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector might have had. Because I'll tell you, Matthew, if he's looking at Simon and they're arguing and they're talking about, they're both bringing their passion to that, that moment and they're grappling with this stuff, I promise you both of them have some really legitimate concerns. If Matthew's looking at the zealots going, dude, you guys will use violence at all costs. There's no way, there's no way I could line up with you. And he's going over here going, well, what about what you've done? You have gone against your own people. That's unconscionable. But, so both of them might have some very real and valid concerns. How are they going to work that out as they move forward? Now, that's only in Jerusalem, Pharisees and Sadducees and this stuff. I'm only talking about sort of ancient Israel. Think about the rest of the empire and all these people coming to Jesus. People came from all over the place uh, for the feasts and the Holy Spirit's poured out on them. And you have people from all over the empire, every tribe, tongue, and nation. Everybody looks so different. Everybody carries uh, uh, different concerns. They carry different cultural baggage. They carry different opinions. They carry different passions. They carry different things. They're like, this is so important. And this person over here is going, what are you talking about? This is so important. It's funny that people today sometimes consider, if they're not paying attention, that Christianity is this homogenized, white, Western religion. Nothing could be further from the truth, friends. 
Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, there's so much diversity. Here's what the writer Rebecca McLaughlin said in her book, Confronting Christianity, which is wonderful. Uh, She said, Christianity is the largest and most diverse belief system in the world, representing uh, the most uh, even racial and cultural spread with roughly equal numbers of self-identifying Christians living in Europe, North America, Latin America, and Sub-Saharan Africa. Over 60% of Christians live in the global south. How about that? In the global south. And the center of gravity for Christianity in the coming decades will likely be increasingly non-Western. The fact the Bible itself was written in multiple languages is another sign that Christianity is at heart multicultural. The Old Testament is in Hebrew. The New Testament is in Greek. And Jesus' mother tongue was Aramaic. This was set from the beginning. Diversity was woven into our faith. It's woven in, and it, is, it was a key component, guys. This was, people of these, the, uh, this variety didn't gather back then. It just was not done. Jesus brought them together. So the church became, over time, uh, uh, so much, it, it's, it's so diverse It crossed the lines of Jew and Gentile. It crossed rich and poor. It crossed free man and slave. In fact, some of the church leaders of that day, friends, were slaves. Do you know that? Can you imagine that assortment of human beings all coming together with all of their cultural baggage, coming together and worshiping Jesus? So I'm not emphasizing I'm not emphasizing this to show you how cool we are that we're diverse. Although I do actually think that's super cool. And there's all, kinds of, there's all kinds of political baggage around even that idea. And I think, well, so what? This is in scripture. This has been out there from the beginning and we should celebrate that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm pointing out the differences because those differences carry so much throughout all of history It wasn't the fact of diversity that was so cool, although that is cool. It was the fact that people brought all these conflicting ideas and all of these difficult issues and they wrestled with them together and the church actually became stronger for it. What I'm saying is the church persisted and grew. The gates of hell has not stood against the church, even though there's been a lot to fight about. Are you with me? You guys are so quiet all of a sudden. I'm telling you, I think this is really good news. Here's what, here's what I'm saying. Our divisions today, significant as they've been, are nothing compared to what the early church dealt with. Nothing, not even close. So when somebody tells you, when somebody tells you it's never been this bad, I want to give you permission Maybe not right in front of them, but to roll your eyes internally, okay? (laughs) Internal eye roll, okay? Is that okay? Can I do that? You don't know if I can do that. Maybe not. I just want to let you know it's not true. It's simply not true. And we have overcome far more, so don't let someone come and put pressure on you in that way. Don't let someone put pressure on on you uh, uh, to, to, you know, sometimes you see political pundits, for example, who will say, get away from people like this if they don't agree on this issue. What I'm telling you, that's certainly not the way the early church rolled, friends. If they had, there would be no church. 
they kept on moving forward. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Joshua, if you want to come on up. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, bearing with one another and one another's opinions in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We are many We are many shades, we are many ethnicities, we are many passions. We surround one and we worship one and that's why we unite. Thanks, brother. All right, well, I don't have a bunch of fancy words like early church and Sadducees and Aramaic. I got buckets. (laughs) I'm a man of the people, Jason. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So how do we do that? How do we take what Jason so eloquently just laid out for us and, and, and bring it into our lives. How do we walk through this? Because it wasn't easy. It, it, it truly is. If God's the one building the church, and he is, praise be to him, right? We are the living stones, and he is building us up as the house of God. It's his church. He's doing it. But that sure doesn't make it easy. It's a miracle. And I think us having a grid to be able to take it from, thank God for church history. Thank God that we can look back and say, this isn't the hardest time that people have ever been through. It's not the most divided time we've ever been through. But there are still people here. Did you guys notice? And we are still working through incredibly important issues. And in fact, the diversity of the church is part of our strength. If everybody in here simply agreed with Joshua Rivas you would be right. Just kidding. (laughs) We would be incredibly blind to every other viewpoint that is vitally needed, right? How much can I see behind me right now? I have no idea what's going on behind me. I can see you right now, but every single one of you can see what's behind me. Amen? And we need that within the church in order to function. I cannot tell you how incredibly profound of an object lesson I just went through that I valiantly, like a true athlete, swept down and grabbed the ball. And by the way, I got them out. I mean, yes, they were six to 10-year-olds, but I got them out. And I threw my back out, and a tiny little muscle right here decided to tighten up and shut me down for 36 hours where I could not get off the couch. Isn't that an interesting thing? One part of my body got overemphasized, and until it healed, none of my body worked. I think that's a pretty good lesson for us, is, is that if one of us decides that we're going to overemphasize a very important part, <laughs> it's a very important part, 
But when it overemphasizes, it created a strain that caused so much pain in the rest of my body that I had to wait until I was healed and reintegrated in order to function again. I think, that's, I think that the enemy might be in that kind of a plan for us if we can't move forward in unity, even in the midst of disagreement. Amen? We want to be able to move and show exactly what Jesus prayed, that we would love one another as he loves us and the world would know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what we're doing, amen? And we need to be able to do it. So let's get practical about that. How do we do that then? Well, I would like to suggest to you a grid that I'm borrowing from David Platt. And uh, he laid this out. He went with buckets. I didn't like it. I wanted different containers. And yet here we are with the buckets. So I'm humbling myself. And we're going to go with buckets. But I want to offer this as a grid for us as a family. That this is how we could walk this out in a practical way so that we can have the opportunity to stay together in the unity of the faith while walking through the disagreements of working out our own salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. Amen? All right. So the first thing is, as you can see, we have three buckets. And let's see if I got number one right here. Yes, okay. One, two, and three. We have three buckets. In the first bucket, I would like to suggest that in this first bucket, it contains clear biblical beliefs and practices that unite all followers of Jesus. Okay, this bucket contains the gospel, that salvation comes through Christ alone. Can everybody agree that that is the case? All right. In this bucket also is the scriptures. Here's the inspired word of God taken down through the ages and generations, right? The, the prophet spoke of Jesus and he fulfilled every scripture in this and came and, and, and fulfilled what God said he would do. That's a first bucket issue right there. That goes, that goes in the first bucket. Let me just toss that in. <laughs> okay, so this is a first bucket issue. Saved through Christ only. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's Bible, right? All right, that's a first bucket issue. So if anyone in the world believes what Jesus said and confesses with their mouth that they're saved, are they saved? Yes, they are. That's what Jesus said. If, if, if Jesus is lying to us, we got a whole lot of other troubles. So that's first bucket. So no matter, no matter anything else, that is so foundational to the faith. And that's throughout, as Jason just said, the church is 2,000 years old. And throughout all of that time, those who confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, they have been saved. We have been not only saved from sin, but we've been saved into a family. We have been adopted. Amen? Somebody say Amen. We've been adopted into the family of God. We belong to the Lord now, and not only are we saved out of the world, but we're saved into a family, and instantaneously, look around. Yeah, look around at your neighbor and say, hello, beautiful. I am your sibling. Okay? That was not very... It's so funny. You get two dudes looking at each other, and they just won't say, hello, beautiful. <laughs> hello, beautiful. I'm your family. Okay? We've been adopted into a family because of what Jesus Christ did, and we received it by faith, not by works. And so here we are together now seeking to follow Jesus according to the scriptures. Amen? First bucket. Now, the second bucket, the second bucket is 
the, well, let me just read it to you. I would like to suggest that the second bucket contains beliefs and practices that unite followers of Jesus who join together in a local church. This bucket includes things Christians might disagree about from one local church to another. For example, one church might believe that they should baptize babies, and another church might believe that they should baptize only believers in Christ. One church might believe that God still gives spiritual gifts of prophecy, tongues, and healing today, while another might believe that those gifts aren't as active in the church now as they were in the past. While Christians often divide into different churches and denominations based on beliefs and practices, in the second bucket, they still celebrate one another as followers of Jesus and work together for the spread of the gospel throughout the world. Do you see that? So we can disagree with other local churches. How many of you guys know there's, there's local churches here today that believe that God will heal everyone when Jesus returns, but until then, he's not going to heal anyone else. That happened to prove that that Jesus is Jesus and the apostles were the apostles, but they believe that he doesn't heal anymore, but he will heal everybody, you know, at the resurrection. How many of you guys know those guys are still going to heaven? All right? Now, we don't believe that here. We believe that God still many times heals. Sometimes he doesn't. We're not sure why that happens. Still working on that one. (laughs) Right? There's some mystery, but we do believe he heals in this particular denomination. But here's what we don't do. We don't tell the folks down the streets well, you're not even saved, because that is a first bucket issue. Are you with me? We're not going to question someone's faith, or for instance, as we just said, that they're like, hey, we, we sprinkle the baby's heads with water, and now they've been baptized. Now they're a believer, and we, we would, at Christ Center, we would say, ah, <laughs> I think they need to probably decide they want to. We would probably call that more of a baby dedication, a wet baby dedication with a, hair, with a little hair wash. But we wouldn't say that those people are heretics and they're all going to not be living forever. We wouldn't question whether or not they're believers. Are you with me? Because that's a second bucket issue, but it does not call into question the first bucket. Amen? So local churches gathering together. Now here's some second bucket, here's some second bucket beliefs, right, and practices at Christ Center. All right. For instance, we have 12 core beliefs, and there's a fantastic teaching series about that. If you, haven't, if you haven't heard that yet or seen that, it's on the website. You can go there and look at our core beliefs, and there's, a, there's a, um, a series of sermons that correspond with each one, but I'll just read it to you right now. Our beliefs about God. Number one, God is a good father. Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, and the Holy Spirit is active. Okay? Beliefs about mankind. We are, we are sons and daughters first. That's our identity, guys. What we do is very different than what we are. Amen? Before you go do something cool, you are something cool. You are a son or you are a daughter adopted into his family. We believe that our sin separated us from God and that we are redeemed through Jesus Christ. Beliefs about the church, that the church is God's family on earth that the church exists to glorify God on earth, and that the church seeks to expand God's family on earth. These are our core beliefs here at Christ Center, that that's what we're up to as the church. Our beliefs about the kingdom, that the gospel of the kingdom is the only hope for mankind, and we are called to extend God's kingdom. Are you with me? 
And, and then lastly, about the kingdom, we believe that the kingdom is already and not yet. Jesus said, my kingdom has come, but we also know it's still coming. How many of you guys noticed the, the whole world has not been redeemed yet, right? Death in Hades hasn't been thrown into the lake of hot fire and destroyed yet. We see some people healed, but we don't see everybody healed yet. We see the light is expanding, the kingdom is growing, but it's not all here yet, is it? It's the already not yet kingdom. I mean, look at you guys. You guys are glowing. You're gorgeous. You represent the kingdom. You're filled with Christ. You're bringing his influence. But you're not all the kingdom, are you? The already not yet kingdom. So these are second bucket things that Christ Center believes and that we gather around these beliefs and practices. You, you've heard hundreds of messages. You know, Jason and I really only have one message and we just preach it like 10,000 different ways. Some of you noticed. <laughs> and that's gonna keep happening. That's a second bucket issue. So we, we take those core beliefs and we put them in the second bucket. Those are things that you're gonna hear over and over again. We're gonna gather around those. A couple others might be, I don't know if you guys noticed, second bucket issue for Christ Center, we like to take communion as often as we gather here in this room. Have you guys noticed that? There's a couple of exceptions. Jason, we have to nearly take him to the hospital every time if we have to skip communion. Um, <laughs> but we really believe that's a beautiful way to preach the gospel of his death and resurrection until he comes in accordance with scriptures. That's a second bucket issue for us that we like to take communion on Sundays. If you want, there are other places that don't take communion on Sundays. Now, you can be here and not take communion if you don't want to, by the way. But if you wanted to, you could go attend a church where we're like, we only take communion you know, once a month or twice a year or what have you, that would not mean that we don't think they're saved. Are you with me? That'd be a second bucket issue. Here's a couple others. Here at Christ Center, we believe that it's vital that we gather in smaller groups, that life on life, that you gotta do life with people, right? They met in the temple in the early church and they also met in homes in the early church. They did both, it wasn't one or the other, it was both and they grew and God added to their numbers daily. They broke bread, they prayed together, they worked together, they lived together. Guys, we grow in life on life relationships. This room is so important. Thank you for being here. You matter, your presence here is essential, okay? But you can hide in this room if you're not also meeting life on life with other people where somebody knows what's going on with you, right? They can look at you and go, how are you doing? You're like, I'm doing great. And they're like, I know you. How are you doing? You're like, I'm not doing great. You got to have those people. That's a second bucket issue. We're going to meet together in small groups as a primary part of discipleship and following Christ. Amen. We also believe here, here's a second bucket issue for the culture at Christ Center. We believe in walking together in honor and vulnerability. I am going to treat you with honor and respect. I believe that you have treasure in you. And I also am going to walk side by side with humility, giving you a good faith reading, believing that God will complete the good work that he's begun in you. I also am going to be honest with you. We're going we're gonna to go through life together. Oftentimes, Jason has said, we're a messy church. You know why? Because y'all are here. People are messy. We're working it out, right? We're all in a journey. 
We are hitting some home runs in our life sometimes, and we are striking out in some other places. And together, we're going to walk forward in vulnerability. So whatever it is that's got you down, we have places and spaces so you can confess your sins, you can confess your strengths, you can have people that know you, and we can grow together in honor and vulnerability. That's a second bucket issue for, for Christ Center. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for honesty and honor and vulnerability so we can grow together. Amen? The last thing I'd probably say, and this is not an exclusive list, I'm not seeking to lay out every aspect of second bucket issues at Christ Center, but I wanted to give some examples. But the last one I would say this is that we see gospel movement as the way that God wants to see us work together so that we're praying for the city, loving the city, seeing the city not as an enemy, but that we look at our city and we pray that our city would prosper, for if it prospers, we prosper. We don't view our city as the enemy. We view our city as mothers and fathers would view their children. We love our cities. We love our communities. It's not their problem. It's our problem. It's not them and us. It's, it's us. Are you with me? So we're seeking to be mothers and fathers who love our community. We want to see the whole church take the whole gospel to the whole city. That's a second bucket issue for Christ Center. You're going to see that here, okay? Now, you might disagree with all of those things. And if that's the case, Christ Center might not be your favorite place to be. Now, here's the deal. If you disagree with those things in the second bucket... I still want you to come here. We all still want you to come here. Maybe you might even change your mind about those things. Not agreeing on those things doesn't mean you can't be here. We're not going to say, you either line up on these or get out of here. Because we already know we have the first bucket together. You are welcome to stay even if those second bucket issues aren't the way you'd get it done. You are free to be here. Amen? But if, but if you feel that, that those things need to be done a different way, then with sadness, we bless you to go find a tribe that has different second bucket issues that align better with what you feel the scriptures are saying for you to honor God in the best possible way. And we'll say, God bless you with that. I like to use the word tribes. We use tribes a lot, right? There is one family, but there's many tribes, aren't there? There's Father Abraham there's 12 tribes of Israel, amen? So you are blessed to stay. We can have some disagreement of that. But Christ Center, with, with prayer and with seeking the Lord and with working together with the pastors and the elders, this is how we'll be doing it here at Christ Center. Those second bucket issues very likely will not change without some major intervention from the Lord in his direction. I'm not saying that they might not get massaged at some point. We didn't used to always take communion every Sunday. That, that was something where we made a change. But what, what I am saying is, if you're looking to see those second bucket issues change, they probably aren't going to, okay? Because we do feel led of the Lord, and we prayed these things through, thought these things through, grappled with the scriptures, and as, as elders and pastors have chosen, this is how we're going to gather, amen? Second bucket issues. All right. So what about then, if we have these things, how then... Do we engage with third bucket issues? What are we talking about there? How do we stay together in unity? Because you notice that these second bucket issues, this is not an exhaustive list of everything that's important. Did you guys notice that? There's a lot of things that are really important in this life that are not in this second bucket. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the third bucket practices or issues. 
The third bucket contains beliefs and practices about which even Christians in the same local church disagree. How many of you have met somebody in this tribe that you disagreed about something? Raise your hand. The rest of you are just like too bored to raise your hand. Come on, that's everyone in this tribe. You, you really, okay, fine, fine. You just didn't want to raise your hand, that's fine. You didn't agree to raise your hand, so you proved my point. <laughs> Members of local church might agree about baptism, spiritual gifts, and leadership in the church, but they might disagree about how the end times are going to unfold, right? Get into some eschatological, like, right? People have been, been debating about that forever, right? I'll tell you what's going to happen when the end happens. I know all about it. Well, you know what, guys? That is a third bucket issue. When the end times and how they're going to unfold, that's a third bucket issue. We don't have to agree about that in order to gather together as a local congregation, amen? And how we feel about that doesn't mean we have to question the first bucket. Uh, we might disagree about political choices and a variety of other personal convictions. Even though we are Christians, we might hold convictions strongly. But what we choose to not do is to divide into different churches based on those convictions. Amen? I don't know if you guys know this, all you Democrats in the house, but there are Republicans here. And I don't know if you Republicans know this, there are Democrats in this house. They love Jesus. You independents, I know you think you're better than all of us. <laughs> but we know you're here. And you're not. You're not. <laughs> Here's some other third bucket issues. What about a third bucket issue would be how do we assign and work out justice in this part of the journey of the history of our nation and our state? And how do we work out what the definition of justice is? That's just a good conversation right there, isn't it? And, and you're, we're going to have some varying disagreement even on what the definition of justice is. For some, that means, you know what, I'm not even going to get into it because it'll just distract from what I'm trying to say, but that is a third bucket issue. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's not important. James said, if you have faith without works, you have no faith. So this is not an unimportant issue. This is a third bucket issue that is something we've got to work out together as the body of Christ, but that we're saying how we agree or disagree on this is not going to change whether or not we can be in the same church together. Are you with me? It's a third bucket issue. What about public policy? What about taxation? Third bucket. Now here's where, oh, here's a good one. What about age of the earth, right? How about age of the earth? Like, I have seen people get just about physical over age of the earth, right? And the Bible, I don't know if you guys know, is rather ambiguous about the age of the earth, except for, the, for those who completely disagree with the statement that I just made. But you know what we're not going to do <laughs> is stop fellowshipping over the age of the earth. Now, obviously, that's a bigger conversation. I can literally feel the tension in the room. As I say certain things, it's kind of like, you kind of feel it like ripple through, like, you're like, whoop, 
Okay. Third bucket issue. Here, here's the point. I think, I've, I think I've made enough examples, and I'm getting nervous. Whew. All right, Jesus. All right, remember the first bucket? We're all here. Okay. And here's the second bucket. We're together. It's that we don't have to divide. Now, here's where we run into trouble. Where we, want, where we run into trouble is when we're trying to work these things out together, but we haven't had a grid for having three buckets. And so, for instance, you know, I had, I, I, I've had, I had so many conversations in this last season, but just one example would be, and in this tribe, I had conversations with people in this tribe, and they said, I, at one point, I had one person no, I'm not going to, oh my goodness, there were so many sensational things said over the last few years, but, but I'll just use this one, because this happened more than once, and it was this, if you vote for this person, you are not a believer. Here's the thing, the name that got filled in was different for different people in this church. So some of y'all were saying that the other part of y'all are questioning whether or not you're even a believer, depending on who you voted for, who's going to hang out for four years and answer to God for the decisions they make. So what does that say? Are we going to put somebody who's going to be in office as a representative for four years or two years on the same par as the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his sinless life? For us, raises from the dead and gave eternal life. And offers it, by the way, to the person you didn't vote for. And I will throw you a bone, should they repent and believe in him. Come on. That's not on par. That's not first bucket. It is definitely third bucket. This is, we need to talk about these things. We need to be able to grapple and be able to talk these things through. But what we cannot do is come in here and say that third bucket issues are on par with first and second bucket issues. First and second, number one, first, is so far above everything that I should have put it on, I, you know, I should probably just put it up here, okay? Let's just put it up here, all right? Second bucket is where we're gathering. We're saying this is how we're going to gather. Because we are the family of God and we must live out John 17 together or we have no message. They will see your love one for another and they will know that my father sent me. They will see your homogenized lockstep unithink and they, no, that is not what it says. No, we must bear with one another in love while we talk through these issues. I, I, need, to, I need to wrap this up. We're going to talk a little more next week. But is this helping? So at very least for us as a family, you guys, I don't know if you know, but there's going to be more elections. I know. I know. I think it might be why certain nations just go to tyranny is because it's just so exhausting to be free. <laughs> totally undermined my whole preach. Sorry. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We as a family are called to stick to... Will you forgive me for that horrible joke? Will you just, will you just let the blood of Jesus cover it? Bear with me in love. 
We as a family need to have a grid so that we can walk together in honor and love and respect and have the ability to agree to disagree about third bucket issues without questioning first or second about one another. I, I truly don't understand how certain people will come to certain um, strategic choices because I literally disagree with them. But that doesn't mean I have to lose respect for them, right? right? And, and, and that's what we must do together. We must be able to say, this is why, you know, like we need to be able to have those really hard conversations. I want to say it like this. If I'm not allowed to have a conversation, you know, with my brother, we know, if I'm not allowed to have a hard conversation with you, then there's, there's distance between us, right? I mean, there needs to be context. I need to be able to say, brother, can we talk about this third bucket issue, Right? Can we talk about this? I don't think, in fact, I know we don't agree about this right now. Can we talk about this? And we set a time and we talk it through. But if you say, no, I will not talk about that issue with you, then there's distance between us because we need to be able to talk about anything. Now, there comes a point where we, then when we know that we disagree, then we might say, okay, I don't agree with you and you don't agree with me, but we understand. We understand where, what we believe, right? We understand where we are. And then my heart is still close with you. Are you with me? Uh, let me say this. You guys might not know this, but in the last election, on the pastoral staff, and we have a lot of pastors, but of those pastors, three different pastors voted for three different candidates. And there was some intense fellowship <laughs> over this third bucket issue. It, it, there were many, many conversations. But I got to tell you that as I was meeting with these, these other two pastors, I'm putting myself in with there because I, I did vote, by the way, guys. <laughs> That's another option. I don't agree with it. But here's what happened. Was in walking through these third bucket issues, I never once questioned whether those other pastors were saved. And I never once questioned whether or not those pastors are part of my family and my tribe here in this local church. That was not there, and they didn't question me either. Now, I did not agree with their strategy for how to best serve our nation for the four years of which we're apart. I didn't agree with it. I felt like they chose a poor strategy. I hope they changed their mind before the next election. They hope I'll change mine. I'm not making light. These are important third bucket issues. But here's what I do know, is that I came away with a deep sense of respect and honor for what they were trying to accomplish, though I disagreed with how they were trying to accomplish it. And they feel the same about me. That's what we're able to do if we can have a grid for how to talk these things through. And they asked some great questions that caused me to have to clarify some of my positions in thinking, and I was able to do the same for them. Ultimately, did it change the strategy this time around? No, it did not. But we actually came away with a greater sense of respect and love and honor for each other while disagreeing about a third bucket issue, rather than distance 
and being disallowed to even talk about it because it might divide us. If I'm disallowed to talk to you, we are already divided, at least by some measure. I don't have time to talk about every context of that, but can you receive that? So I pray that for us, this will be a grid. I want us to use this as a grid. I want this to become part of our language that we can say, hey, can we talk about a third bucket issue? But we can be able to say to each other, I have no doubt about your love for Jesus, and I have no doubt about your love for this family. I want to talk about this strategy, about this thing, about this piece. Can we talk about that? And maybe the answer might be, I don't have bandwidth for that right now. Some of those pastors had to take a break from me sometimes. They were like, I can't do that today, but let's, let's schedule a meeting. And we'd have the meeting. We worked it through. It wasn't that I just get to demand talking about what I'm passionate about. You with me? But we made it. And my prayer for us as a family is that we continue to bear with one another in love. Can we bring that scripture up? We'll wrap up with that. And I, I do appreciate your patience today. I realize this went a little long. Um, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you all. Let's stand together. Lord, we're going to continue this conversation into next week. But my prayer for all of us, God, is that you would come and just even begin to give us a rewiring in our mind where maybe we've been rejecting other believers because we took third bucket issues and, and, and tried to put them into the first bucket, Lord. Maybe we took third bucket issues and tried to put them in the second. Whatever it is, whatever's caused an unnecessary division where we were judging someone else in a way that is inappropriate, Lord, will you come and heal our hearts and our minds, Lord? And Father, for those of us that have felt marginalized, where we're not allowed to even discuss things that we have been passionate about and concerned about, Lord, may this begin to assuage the fear in our heart that we're being censored from our loved ones to even share these things that, that we, we want to talk about, but we don't know how to because things have been so divisive and, and we're scared to lose people over having conversations that, that we need. Lord, my prayer is this. You would heal us. You would help us. You would unify us in you. And that together, together, we would work through these hard parts of this life, but that it would always be together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen.